0: Greetings, and welcome to Skylanders Portalcasters, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything Skylanders. I'm your host, GF Ditto, and I am joined today by co-host Inklander, and today we are going to be discussing what could be next for Skylanders. Inklander, why don't we touch on some of your thoughts first?
1: Right, yeah. There's been kind of these rumors slash leaks kind of going around for a while that a new Skylaiders game, some kind of supposedly a reboot of some sort that still uses toys-to-life functionality but also apparently has gps as well so that could kind of be any number of things the thought process there is maybe it's going to be like a pokemon go kind of thing but with skylanders or maybe pokemon let's go where there's a console experience and then a mobile experience because apparently the toys to life element would still be there with these rumors slash leaks and then the other thing is that it's being made by a third party with Toys for Bob. This is apparently being made by a completely separate company that isn't Beanox or Toys for Bob or Vicarious Visions. Apparently the leaker of this on Twitter says that this announcement should have happened by now. Which is kind of weird to me because Toys for Bob has been working on Crash 4 and has been working on Crash 4 for quite some time now. It'd make sense if they were working on another project, maybe starting on it and concepting it, but it'd be kind of weird if they were gonna have two games directed by Toys for Bob coming out in one year, especially because Activision does tend to like to focus on having one game come out from one of those studios, whether it be Toys for Bob or Vicarious Visions per year. And so honestly, with these rumors going around, I believe they're false. Ditto, what are your thoughts on this idea?
0: Well, Inklander, I haven't been keeping up with the leak information as much as I probably should, being a Skylander's creator myself. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense, in the sense that I don't believe Toys for Bob would be working on two different major releases at one time. That does not make sense based on pattern alone.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. They've always rotated out with some other studio, so they have two years' development time. Then suddenly they're working on Crash and Skylanders consecutively? That doesn't really make sense to me. Always take some sort of rumor or leak with a grain of salt because it tends to not be true, and I feel like this is probably not true.
0: I have to agree with you on that. I would venture to say that if they are working on something right now, if Toys for Bob is involved, their involvement is probably very minor. And I would say to expect an announcement, possibly, if there is going to be one at all, for something closer to the lines of maybe Ring of Heroes.
1: Yeah, and this leaker that has been leaking this stuff is usually very hit or miss. They have gotten some stuff right, but a lot of the stuff they have gotten right is Nintendo-based. And Skylanders is kind of out of left field for them because they usually don't report on things related to Activision anyway. If they were going to announce a full brand new Skylanders console game, it would not have happened back in September like I think they said they were expecting the announcement to be. It would obviously probably happen right around E3 time next year and then release in the fall. As cool as this would be, I definitely think this is probably fake.
0: That timing window you mentioned of E3 time and then a launch in the fall does sound Very reminiscent of what they used to do. Right. So once again, following the logic of pattern, an announcement in September does not make sense. I would say, I don't know if there's anything in the works. There is a possibility they have something under wraps that they're planning for the 10th anniversary.
1: Maybe, yeah. But
0: there would be no official announcement on that if they were. If they do have something in the works for that, we would expect to see the announcement at E3 of 2021 and then it would launch for the 10th anniversary, maybe even on the 10th anniversary.
1: That's true. There is always the possibility that they could do it at the Toy Fair, because that's when I think they showed off Spyro's Adventure, Giants, and Swap Force for the first time. The Toy Fair happens every February, usually. For the first couple games, they announced at mid-cycle what the next game was going to be, but then with Trap Team, they moved that to a specific event that they hosted themselves in April. And then after that, for Superchargers and Imaginators, it was pretty much like a couple weeks before E3 and then they gave like a deep dive into the game at E3. So if they did end up deciding to go with the pattern that they decide to stick with for the later games, they're probably going to host some sort of trailer, some sort of event themselves to show off whatever it is that they would release and then go into it a lot in like full detail at E3 and really dive into it and then still have that fall launch.
0: That makes sense. So we would expect somewhere between February and April they would make an announcement. E3 they'll probably have a demo and then the launch in October.
1: Yeah that's what I would probably expect. And what that could be if they did end up doing something for the 10th anniversary could be any number of things. Maybe that would be a HD version of Spyro's Adventure and Giants, or maybe just Spyro's Adventure on modern platforms. That would be amazing. Or maybe that'd be a totally new game. Maybe that'd be a new mobile game. There's no telling what they could do. Um, Of course, I would like to, as a fan, believe that we're going to be getting something for the 10th anniversary, but we might not. We probably will not know until the earliest at Toy Fair 2021.
0: I feel like if there is anything in the works for a continuation of Skylanders in any sense it is most likely that what is in the works is another mobile game realistically those make the most sense those aren't what I'm hoping for I just feel like realistically those are the most likely options to be in the works at this point as a fan I would obviously like to see either a Skylander 7 or perhaps even a reboot of the series starting back at the beginning And there are certain features I would like to see included with all of this. But that's what I would like to see as a fan, and definitely not the likeliest option for what's going on.
1: I definitely agree with you that I think game-wise, the most likely thing would probably be a mobile game. Or, and this kind of ties into how I think the game would play. I personally think the most likely thing that they are going to do, and I really dislike this coming out of my mouth... But I think the thing they're most likely to do is a Skylanders Battle Royale game. And that could be on console and it could be on mobile. Very much just similarly like Fortnite and all the other Battle Royales that have become really popular. I think that if Activision hasn't realized that Skylanders is very well fit to be a Battle Royale, they're very surely soon to realize that it is and it's going to be turned into a battle royale game, as much as I don't want it to be. Of course, I would love to have PvP back, but I don't want to have a third-person Skylanders game with 50 different Skylanders fighting it out, or 100 different Skylanders fighting it out in different battle arenas. That's what I expect Skylanders is going to be quite soon, and whether Activision doesn't realize that, I'm sure they will, and I'm really concerned that that is what's going to happen, because what better kind of battle royale... To create than with a franchise that already has 300 characters you can grab from. And that is something they could put on a mobile phone and have that be a mobile app, but they could also put that on console.
0: If there is a new Skylanders console game coming, especially if they're planning on making it a mobile and console experience, you're likely correct because Battle Royale games have just gained such a popularity over the past three or four years that it's insane and every developer seems to be jumping on the bandwagon unless they're solely heavily an rpg style of game pretty much everything seems to be going the direction of battle royale and online multiplayer well i think that would be the most likely way for them to go i agree with you on that i also agree with you in that i don't want to see that happen as much as i want to see pvp return to skylands i wouldn't even want to see it have online functionality. I would want it to be sofa PvP. You play locally with somebody right there in the same room, the same way it worked from Spyro's Adventure to Swap Force. I would want to see it done in that style. Hey, maybe even make it up to four players.
1: Yeah, now see... That's one place where I uh, would disagree with you there, Ditto, because I do really want to see it online. But the thing is, is I don't want to see it online with 50 people or 100 people or anything like that. And I know that one of your concerns with online and having it be online is hacking and people running amok with it. But the thing is, is if they do a traditional Skylanders game that happens to have PvP in it, I feel like most people are not going to be hacking with it. I feel like there's still going to be a couple bad seeds in there that happens with any kind of online game. But so long as there's like a report button or so long as there's some sort of system for being able to monitor that stuff, that usually gets filtered out pretty well. Like, you know, one of the big multiplayer games that I tend to play is Splatoon. And you do occasionally see someone just hacking, but typically after a match or two, they're no longer in there. So, so long as I feel like there's some sort of way to be able to monitor that and make sure that that's just cut out, that would be a good thing. But otherwise, maybe if they don't do like online with randoms, I would still like to see online with friends, people on your friends list, because they did do that with superchargers, and I think that'd be a really good idea. And I would like to see them increased up to four players, as you said, as well, because then you can do team battles if you want to. So long as they maybe have a couple other ways of balancing that and maybe adding in items or collectibles which they did have in the pvp and you know swap force and giants and everything but just adding in more customization there would be a lot of fun and my hopes for that is i would like to see it online either with randoms or just with friends and i would like to see them increase it up to four people i still would like to see it as a side mode to the full game whatever that ends up being i don't want to see it as some sort of big battle royale i do want it to just be its own own little mode that people can really enjoy and maybe bring back Chaos Doom Challenge along with it. That's what I would like to see is have Chaos Doom Challenge. Maybe you can play that with four people, have new maps for that, and then also have the team co-op or like free-for-all kind of PvP. So what are your thoughts, Tito?
0: You took the words right out of my mouth with the return of the Chaos Doom Challenge. I absolutely adore the Chaos Doom Challenge and I would love to see it make a return, but not at the cost of other modes. I would like to see it return alongside PvP and racing. Yes. I'd like to see all the side modes make an appearance. If they were to release a new game or even a remaster, I would like to see all the side modes make a triumphant return. Me too. You stated that one of my primary concerns about online PvP is hackers and cheats and things like that. And while that is my primary concern, there's also the concern that online in Skylanders has not been done well yet. That's true. In the sense that if you want to play online in Skylanders, in Superchargers, what is the case in the majority of situations is that the player needs to port forward on their router to make it happen. Yeah. And... The fact that that was a requirement means that the online was not implemented in the best way and I shudder to think that it could continue in that way if the online were to be brought back. And I would rather have no online functionality than to implement a system that doesn't work again, that feigns online but makes it incredibly difficult to actually pull off.
1: I mean, I feel like they have tried to do a little bit better with it. And if they are able to get cross-platform working for Skylanders, that'd be very welcome. But they definitely did have a problem with it. So I definitely agree that they did have Nat-type issues. But they definitely could have done better with that overall. I'd be hopeful for next time, but we'll see.
0: Now we've discussed what is likely the case and some of what we would like to see by comparison. But when it comes to a future game, be it a reboot... For a Skylander 7, let's discuss a couple of the ideas that we have that we would like to see implemented there. Things that could improve on what we had before.
1: Right, yeah. For my hope, if they did decide to go with the Toys to Life route again, I would like to see them have only just ten figures, one of each element with plenty in stock. And then, uh, of course, I'd still want it to be able to work with all your previous figures. And if you didn't have any of those figures, I'd want there to be a store where you can just buy any of the past figures digitally and have them in a digital library for 99 cents and also have a way more organized library than the one that is exists on the switch for imaginators and then if they didn't have figures then obviously i just want whatever is new to maybe be a little bit more expensive you know like make those a couple dollars each in the digital shop and just have a couple available maybe 10 as well just 10 new digital characters that you can play as but still you know support all the figures anyway. No matter what, I still do want to have backwards compatibility with all the old figures. But then going forward, either have less figures, better stock, and just not flood the market with new figures, or just have all those characters digitally.
0: I agree with you in the sense that if they go with new figures, they should probably keep it to a minimum. And I agree with that minimum being one of every element. I also agree that there should be Backwards compatibility for those who already own figures. Absolutely 100% I'm behind these ideas. I would prefer to see them not move forward with more figures at this point in time. I'd prefer to see a library of completely digital characters, whether they're all included in the game or made available in a in-game shop for 99 cents a character. Regardless of whether they do a remake or a new game, I would like to see them go mostly, if not entirely, digital with the characters, but allow for backwards compatibility with our currently existing portals and figures. One of the biggest things I hear when I ask fellow gamers, Hey, have you played Skylanders? Is, no, they haven't, and they won't, because they don't want to buy figures. Or they don't have the room for figures, or... I've even encountered somebody who travels all the time and wants to play Skylanders, but it's not convenient because figures. I would like to see it go entirely digital, and I would like to see the pricing moderated to, as we've stated, about 99 cents a character, except maybe for the new ones, which could go for two or three dollars a character. Seems fair. Yeah. I would like to see Skylanders become accessible, more accessible to everyone who wants to play it rather than be limited to those who can afford to go into a series that has a very, very high price point for entry. I also have some ideas of what could be and could work really well, but are more content-based rather than Skylander-based.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: The storyline for Superchargers had a nice amount of intensity to it, and I feel like a more serious, more heavy plot should be implemented again make it feel a little more high stakes and with a heavier more intense story would also come more powerful villains yes i would love to see chaos still be one of the big bads in the game without chaos it doesn't feel like it would be skylanders i don't think you can do skylanders without chaos Maybe this is the time to reach out for ideas that already exist but haven't been implemented yet. For example, they could go with something more along the lines of villains from Skylanders Academy. Strykor and Malifor could be implemented. I feel like they would be a huge heavy looming threat. It might make for an interesting challenge and would add to the character of the villains that are already existing. Another idea is maybe bring in some of the big bads that weren't used in Superchargers from the DS games. Maybe we get all three of them. We get Hector, we get Captain Frightbeard, we get the Dream Sheep, and we get Malifor and Strykor.
1: Yeah, and then as for the actual gameplay, I have a couple notes on what I would potentially like to see if they decide to go crazy with it completely. And I think it'd be kind of fun to see them kind of go a little bit more open world with it. Not like fully, fully open world. I'm not talking like Skyrim or uh, Breath of the Wild or anything like that. But they gave us kind of a taste of it with the mysterious ancient place or the map in Skyliners Imaginators where you're able to run around all these different locations. There are hidden secrets on the map. And then, you know, you just find the next place that you're supposed to go on the map. And then you enter the level from there. And then especially if you have co-op through the story or up to four players in the story, I think it'd be really fun to like join up with your friends, couch co-op, or maybe people on your friends list online and then go through these levels together. And maybe you are given quests or side quests and then you can also go back into the level after you've completed it and maybe the side quest request isn't there. That would kind of just flesh out the world.
0: My final thoughts on what I would like to see in a future Skylander game If they were to put out a Skylander 7, I would love to see them implement all the old gimmick landers. But at the same time, I don't want new gimmick landers. Yeah, there we go. As we discussed last episode, I don't feel that the majority of the gimmick landers from Trap Team through Imaginators were necessary in any way. And so while I would like to see them implemented so that they then retroactively become necessary, I don't want new ones. Just give me ten Skylanders, be they figures or digital, just give me ten, one of each element, and make them cores. That's all I ask.
1: I think that's really a fantastic idea.
0: We talked a little bit today about how we would like to see Skylanders become more accessible to a wider variety of players. Now it's time to move on to the Legendary Treasure Hunt, where we try to find currently existing Skylanders at the best bargain possible.
1: Welcome to Legendary Treasure Hunt on a troll radio near you. In this segment we try to find the best bargain deal on Skylanders, and this segment's episode was specifically based around trying to find the lot with the most giant figures, as in the actual gimmick lander giants, not just from giants, at $30 or less. Let's go ahead and go over the rules. It is one point for every giant Skylander in the lot, and then a half a point for every $5 underneath the max price point. So Ditto, why don't you go ahead and share with me what you have today?
0: Well, Inklander, today I've brought with me a deal from OfferUp, I found a lot that contains 5 Giant Skylanders, Hothead, Tree Rex, Legendary Bouncer, Crusher, and Swarm for $30. But that's not all this lot includes. This lot also comes with 5 Swap Characters and 3 Core Characters from Giants. As well as 2 Portals, Giants on the Wii, Swap Force on the Wii, and 1 Sky Iron Shield.
1: Very, very nice.
0: All for the low, low price of $30.
1: Cool, yeah. That is actually a really good deal. And I should also point out that as the host, I am able to award one extra point for a lot that has something extra special and goes above and beyond. And ditto, you have a really great lot here. You got some Swap Force characters. You got some characters from giants. You have actual giant characters. You got two portals. You got two games. All for 30 bucks. That's actually a really Great deal. So you know what? I'm going to give you the point.
0: Well, thank you, Inklander. Yeah. It really is a great deal, and this deal is especially good for anybody who's just getting into the series because it provides two games with their respective portals and a good number of the gimmick landers required to actually get into them. Yeah. As well as a couple other characters just on the side to have fun with. Yeah, A couple of them which, honestly... Lightning Rod and Pop Fizz are two of the three core characters, and I love them both immensely. They're a lot of fun to play as.
1: Absolutely. Totally makes sense. Lightning Rod's really fun. And you know, you also have Legendary Bouncer in there as well. So you have one of the giants as a variant. That's pretty awesome. And he also has a really cool light core color scheme going on with him. Pretty, pretty good lot. Well, thank you. As for the scoring system, You have that one extra bonus point, and then you have five giant characters, so that brings that up to six, and then you're right at the max price there, so no half points for you, so that brings your grand total to six. Okay. Yeah, so now for my lot, I found mine on eBay, And it consists of all eight of the regular Giants, so there's no variants, but it includes all of the normal version of the Giants. So, you know, Eyebrawl, Bouncer, Thumpback, Tree Rex, Swarm, Hothead, Crusher, and Ninjini. And it also comes with a copy of Skylanders Giants. This is a really great lot because you're getting the game and you're also getting literally all the giants. It's a pretty good deal. And the price of it is $22.99.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's hard to find a lot that happens to have literally all the giants in it. And somehow I managed to do that this week. (laughs) So the literal whole point of the challenge, I ended up managing to somehow get it's a great deal you get all the giants right up front and you also have one of each element so you literally have access to everything that you possibly can in the game right off the bat so as for me with points for scoring it's one point for each giant so that brings me up to eight and then i'm also going to get a half point because i am five dollars under the max price of 30 so that gives me eight and a half points as the total for mine So that means that I end up winning the legendary treasure hunt for this week.
0: Congratulations, my friend.
1: Thank you, yeah. Seems like I've been on a roll the past couple episodes.
0: (laughs) You really have.
1: It goes to show you that no matter what, there's always going to be a great deal out there. Ditto has a really cool lot of some Swap Force characters and some giants and both the games. So you got a little bit to kind of start you off with both of them. And then, if you just want to kind of hardcore dive into giants, you have my lot that'll literally give you all of the giants. So, those deals are out there. If you're looking for a character, you can find it. Well said. And speaking of going to try to find something, I think it's time to go hop on the dread yacht and see what adventure awaits us. <laughs>
0: Here we are aboard the Dread Yacht. Flynn is piloting masterfully. Persephone is flying laps around the cabin. And down below, we can see Callie, joined by Sprocket, doing battle with some trolls. We are here today touring Troll Home Security from Skylanders Giants. Let's dive right into this level. Inklander, what are your first thoughts on this?
1: Overall, I mean, I think it's a okay level. It's not necessarily one of my favorites from Giants, but you know, I think it does do some cool things pretty well. One of the most memorable parts of this level is the whole area where you're up against the castle and you're having to dodge all these missiles that are kind of shooting out of the doors and just trying to dodge that, trying to make your way up to the top to be able to turn off that force field. That part I do kind of like. I think in some ways one of the downsides of this level is that it feels like you need bombs for a lot of different things and that kind of got a little tiring after a while where you have to like blow up some of the gates like some of the stone walls and have to blow up some of the cannons and whatnot that did kind of get a little repetitive towards the end of the level but overall the whole bomb missile thing with the troll home security especially where it's like you're here you're trying to infiltrate this place turn off the force field i do really think that is kind of a cool idea and i do think the aesthetic for it works a little well i do think that they tried to replicate battlefield from spyro's adventure here a little too much but instead of like a trenches theme that kind of went more with a castle defense kind of thing where you're trying to raid into this castle. I don't think it works quite as well and because of that there were kind of parts where it did feel a little bland. Like the beginning part didn't really feel quite what it was wanting to do where you're kind of in this sort of village area and having like blow up walls to get through it. And then you have the second area where it's kind of just like an open battlefield with some mines. That's a little bit cooler. But I do think the most memorable part of this level is definitely scaling up to the castle, infiltrating it, and then turning off the force field. Overall, I don't think it's necessarily the most memorable or most exciting level, but I also don't think it's particularly awful. I'd kind of compare it to how we felt about Ironjaw Gulch, where it was just kind of okay. But what are your thoughts, Ditto, on it?
0: My first thoughts are, this level made it obvious that troll technology in Skylands is superior to orc technology in pretty much every other fantasy setting out there. Right. In that orc technology tends to fall apart or backfire. Troll technology, man, that's a lot of cannons. Yeah. The most memorable part of this level for me was also once you've reached the, essentially, castle, where there are cannons everywhere firing at you. That's about the point in the level where I decided I needed to step back from my Nightmare Mode run and go play something else for a while because... Man, that's a lot of cannons!
1: Yeah, I know. Like, they pretty much can one-hit you in Nightmare Mode, which is not fun. And then if you're a giant, they can pretty much one and a half hit you. So it's definitely not for the faint of heart there, especially on Nightmare Mode. It's really intense because there's stuff firing at you everywhere. And then there's that one cannon that's kind of to the left as you're scaling the final path in front of the cannons. And that one keeps firing at you from a different angle than all the other ones. And like, if you don't dodge it, or if you're playing as a giant and you can't get out of the way fast enough, like you're going down, especially on nightmare mode. Now, if you're playing on a easier difficulty, this is way more enjoyable and a lot more fun. And it feels like a big epic moment in the game. And I do think they do that well.
0: Oh, absolutely. It is. And they do. That's just the most memorable part for me was the point where in Nightmare, I breathed in really deep and then said, I'll be back.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a challenge there. But I would say that that is probably the most memorable part of the level. There are some other cool things like they do have some good hidden locations in this level, like the Luckotron wheel being hidden in the chimney and the like more villagey kind of area at the beginning. They also have the uh, hidden area inside the water zone where you kind of have to push the push block up against part of the side of the wall to be able to get into a hole in the wall by dropping down into it to be able to get to the story scroll. I think that sounds right. I think on my first playthrough, I didn't think to like try to jump in the chimney. They do have some clever ideas with where the collectibles are hidden.
0: Something that really stood out to me about this level that a lot of levels in Giants don't is this level wanted so badly to be a platformer, but it wasn't because giants had no platforming. There was no ability to jump outside of using the jump pads. Yeah. But this level really so very badly wanted to be a platformer.
1: Yeah, that's true. It did definitely feel a little bit more platformery than dungeon crawlery at some points. At the beginning, you're trying to bounce around where you're trying to blow up the walls and also trying to like get around to where Callie has set up the explosives And then also, as you're trying to literally scale up to the rest of the castle, there's this whole section where you're trying to bounce and scale up that path to the castle. And yeah, definitely, this kind of felt the most platformery that I'd say Giants and Spire's Adventure probably gets, I think. And that is definitely something that works on its benefit.
0: I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I applaud this level for trying to be a platformer the way it did. I really enjoy platforming, and this level almost gave me that fix that I needed amidst a massive dungeon crawler of a game. Yeah.
1: I mean, I also think the music here was a good pick as well. It sounded like they had Archean Armory, and also they had the layer of Chaos music in here as well. So I think that's kind of fitting, you know, we're in a uh, game that's all kind of based around Arcane lore, so it's kind of neat to have that music track. And then also, Layer of Chaos, of course. We're not necessarily in Chaos's fortress, but we are trying to turn off that shield to be able to access Chaos's castle.
0: I will say one thing, and that's I've never before seen a home security company as armed to the teeth as this one is.
1: Yep. I know. They uh, definitely are making sure that Chaos's home slash castle there is very well protected, because that's a lot of bombs.
0: I want to hire them to do the security at my house.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: I want the troll home security security system on my home.
1: They seem to know what they're doing when it comes to home security.
0: That cannon appears to be pointing directly at us, so I think our time for this tour is up and we should probably get out of here. Let's head towards the Archean Arena.
1: Welcome everyone to our final segment of the episode, Archean Arena, where we pit Skylander against Skylander in hypothetical combat. PvP, that might not be a thing anymore, as we discussed in this episode, but you know, this is our fun way of bringing it back, talking about stats, and just saying if these Skylanders did go up against each other, who would win? So ditto, why don't you go ahead and introduce who you've brought to the arena today?
0: Thank you, Inklander, and today I have brought with me the Trapmaster known as Gearshift.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Gearshift is a tech Skylander whose battle class I would classify as kind of special. Well, we do classify her as a mixed battle-style Skylander. She tends to be either melee or ranged, depending on the path you take. It is rare to see her used as both in the sense that most mixed characters would be used. Right. Gearshift begins with a max HP of 780 points, critical hit 58, armor 33, speed 45, and luck 28. Gearshift's attacks vary in damage depending on which mode she is in. So the damage numbers can't be determined as easily as we normally would. Her attack one is the Traptanium gear, which she uses to swing her Traptanium gear around, or to fling projectiles at opponents if she's in Fragment Mode. Her attack 2 is called Mode Toggle, which switches her between Hoop Mode, Dual Mode, and Fragment Mode, which all have different attacks and attack patterns. And her attack 3 is called Gear Grind, and it allows her to cartwheel forward, damaging anything in the path. Now, the Traptanium gear... The damage changes depending on which mode she is in. Mode toggle, if the enemy is close, does do 10 points of damage just from her splitting or reconnecting the gear. And Gear Grind does a consistent damage of 25 points. Okay. Gear Shift's paths determine which mode she's going to spend most of her time in. There is the Dual Mode Duelist, which increases the power and abilities of her dual mode. And there is the Fragment Mode Freak, which increases the powers of Fragment Mode.
1: Gearshift is a very versatile character. She is able to do all these different things with her gear. It's pretty cool how diverse Gearshift's moveset is.
0: It really is. And it makes me either A, want a second one of her so I can take the opposite path. Or B, wish that I could just switch paths on the fly because... It's really situational as to which path you want her in, which mode you want to take. I don't play her as often as I would because, as I said earlier, she's a mixed character in that she is either melee or ranged, but not good at both at the same time. And that limits how much I use her because normally I'll go for a character who is more readily versatile than one who is specially versatile. Yeah, that makes sense. So tell me, which Skylander did you bring to lose to Gearshift this week?
1: Oh wow, alright. Throwing down. The Skylander that I brought didn't start out as a Skylander. In fact, he decided to visit from a place called the Mushroom Kingdom. Oh no. The character that I have is Hammerslam Bowser.
0: Oh boy, this one's gonna be interesting.
1: Hammerslam Bowser is a fire melee character with 840 health. He has 60 critical hit, 39 armor, and 32 speed. His primary attack is the Hammer Slam, where he's able to swing that hammer with 31 damage. He has the Koopa Troopa attack for attack 2, which deals 10 damage of just throwing out Koopas, and then 15 residual as the Koopas hit enemies. And then there is the Molten Bowser attack for the Tertiary, which actually causes him to turn into Molten Bowser, which changes his Hammer Slam attack into him swiping with his claws and then uh, it changes the secondary attack to him breathing fire. So he, a lot like Gearshift, is very versatile depending on what kind of attack style he is using. He has the two different paths. One of them is the Koopa Commander path, which of course powers up the Koopa summoning ability. He also has the Molten Monster Path, which helps to power up the Molten Bowser attack. He's pretty versatile, and while he is pretty much a melee character, he does have the Koopa Troopas, which can go out a little bit of the way to kind of attack enemies, and he is able to breathe fire. It's not too, too long-range by any means, but, you know, you can try to use that to keep people at bay a little bit. And, you know, turning into Molten Bowser, that allows for the claw swipe attack, which is really, really powerful and is a lot of fun to use. It's a little bit quicker than the hammer as well. So while he is primarily a melee character, he does have a lot of things that he can do in his moveset. So I guess now the question is, who's going to win this in a hypothetical battle here?
0: My strategy would be, I would probably go with the fragment mode path because I would want to keep Bowser a little bit more ranged. He is... Also on even playing field, well-ranged, because you can throw those Koopa shells and breathe fire. Gearshift has a little bit more range than Bowser, but not a lot. So I would say they're probably fairly evenly matched there. But in Fragment mode, while I'm attacking, I'm also generating mini-gears, which sit around and do residual damage. That is true. And I would want to keep those going as much as I could. And if Bowser did get too close, I could always switch to dual mode, which would allow me to deal... A lot of damage really quickly. And my mini gears would also still be racking up the damage at the same time.
1: Makes sense. Now with Bowser here. You know he does have a little bit higher of critical hit and of armor. Not too much but a little bit. And also does have a little bit higher of HP as well. And so what I would try to do is also try to switch over into molten bowser and maybe try to get my initial damage down using the fire breathing attack of course maybe summon in some koopas and then just start using that claw swipe attack and really trying to just deal the damage with that if i can really try to deal a little bit of damage early i'd be able to get even more of a leg up on the health side of things and then hopefully i'd be able to go in and try to finish the job there
0: From the start, I would start flinging fragments your way and generating mini-gears. You're going to want to get closer, because your claw swipe and your flame breath will do you a lot of good, but they're a lot closer quarters. At which point, I would switch to dual mode and start slashing at you, which Gearshift's attacks do go a lot faster than Bowser's, but Bowser does have higher stats in all areas except speed. So, if I get enough damage off before you reach me... If I were to plug in the numbers, I feel as though I could do enough damage that Gearshift could take Bowser out in the melee mode, but as we normally would do, we would do a two out of three. I do feel like Bowser would manage to close the gap quicker, and then it would be down to, once we're in close range, your Claw Swipe may be doing 31 damage to me, but I'm attacking faster, and my Traptanium Dual Blades at that point do 51 per shot. Ooh. I feel as though we would come pretty close to dead even on that because your health total does outnumber mine by enough of an amount to make a difference. Yeah. I feel as though a two out of three would not be a fair assessment for this. If the numbers are plugged in correctly, I feel like Bowser wins this five times out of nine. Yeah, probably. So Bowser does have a slight bit of an advantage here, only just. It is a very even match, but as it goes on and Bowser closes that gap a little more quickly without taking as much mini-gear damage, Bowser would take it five times out of nine. Yeah. Which I think is a respectable number for Gear Shift as well. It's very, very close to a dead tie, but Gear Shift does start to lose the advantage the more you fight.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree with that, where I do feel like this is a really even matchup, and there is a very good chance that you would win numerous amounts of times, but I also think Bowser would be able to do that as well, and with that health benefit, and with some of our attacks being kind of similar in how they might work with melee and range kind of feel to them, I do think that this would be a really, really close matchup. I do think that Bowser probably does take this slightly, and that, you know, is probably mostly due to the health and having slightly higher stats in terms of critical hit armor
0: i do feel as though if gearshift had 100 points more for hit points just 100 more this would be a dead stalemate there would be no victor probably but because she is 100 points shy of that mark bowser takes this slightly
1: yeah i would agree
0: so it's safe to say that just barely but it counts bowser is this week's archaean arena champion that brings us to the end of today's episode. You'll find our website and our individual channels linked in the description. Follow our Twitter at SL Portalcasters for regular Skylanders discussion and Imaginator design challenges. Thank you for listening, and in the next episode, we will be discussing the music of Skylands. See you then. Bye. Bye.
1: be able to beat Mario, but you can beat Gearshift Bowser.